This episode of the People of PCPS is brought to you through the generous support of Joe Fisher's office at Mid-State Educators Insurance. For more information, visit insurepolk.com. Welcome to the People of PCPS, a Polk County Public Schools podcast. This podcast is dedicated to telling the stories of teachers, paraeducators, support staff, students, volunteers, alumni, and all the people who contribute to Polk County Public Schools. Whether they're working in the school district, learning in our classrooms, or using their education to improve our community, the people are what make Polk County Public Schools great. Let's get to know our colleagues, our students, our neighbors, and our friends, the people of PCPS. Hi everyone, I'm Rachel Pleasant, Senior Director of Communications here at Polk County Public Schools, and welcome back to the People of PCPS podcast. This is a special time that we've contribute or we've set aside just to learn more about the people of our organization and what they contribute to our organization, and um, because we believe that it takes every single one of us giving something unique to um, to make what we are as a whole. So I'm really excited to have with me today Mike Butler, who is the assistant principal of the district's juvenile justice programs. And Mike recently um, responded to my very curious inquiries about his job and what he does. And he allowed me to come out to the jail and do a tour and talk with him at length. And so now we're going to we're going to highlight that conversation for our listeners today. So welcome, Mike. Thank you for having me. So, Mike, you oversee in your role, you oversee the juvenile justice programs, which are we have two. We have the Department of Juvenile Justice program, which is a state program. And then we have the local Polk County Sheriff's Office program. And those both fall under your umbrella. What are the differences between the two? Well, the DJJ programs, we have two current, well, three currently in our in our district. We have Eckert, it's a day treatment program. And then we have Polk Halfway House, which, uh, which is a residential program for high school boys, uh, grades, uh, you know, eight through 12 typically. Some of them come in, they're behind credits. And the day treatment program takes middle school students, high school students, and it's, uh, uh, they're recommended through the juvenile justice program. The, the probation officers make those recommendations for the day treatment sites. So why I wanted to come out and spend some time with you is because your world is so foreign to most of us. Most of us have had very limited, if any, dealings with juvenile, the justice system in general, let alone the juvenile justice system. Can you just, for those of us who just have absolutely no idea, what kind of students, can you describe the students and how they get there? Well, we have a wide variety of students, obviously all ages, typically from 11, 12, all the way up to 17. Uh, our South County program has students that are over the age of 18 for special circumstances. Um, and they get placed there usually by court order uh, or they're arrested, particularly at the detention center and at the central jail. They are in the, the court system. They've made it, been arrested. Some of them are waiting trial, some are waiting disposition, some are waiting to be sentenced, and so we have them the whole time. And the students in these programs, you you have some who is more minor right. crimes, and then you do have others. We do. We have, uh, we what have kind juvenile, of offenses? We have juveniles that have minor offenses, typically like maybe trespassing, shoplifting, those type things will go through 
the detention center side. And then we have students that have committed uh, serious crimes, serious felonies, you know, been charged with attempted murder, murder, you know, rape, home invasion, those type things. And uh, those are on the serious side, and those usually typically stay with us longer. And so, and they stay with you until when? When would they exit this, these programs? Typically, the, the detention center kids, are, we, they're our short-term students, and they usually stay anywhere from 4 to 21 days. And then we have our more serious uh, students that are serious crimes that are being charged as adults going through the court system. They could be anywhere from 6 months to 3 years. And students of all ages, or is it a, is there a minimum age to become involved in this? Typically, program? you know, a student can be arrested at any age and charged at any age, but we don't typically get them in our system unless they're 12 years or older. Okay. So. Um, without naming any names, can you, or giving any identifying details, in the population that you're serving right now, can you tell us a little bit about, about your students and... Um, well, I mean, we have students that come from a wide variety of backgrounds. Obviously, you know, uh, a lot of them are in the court system. So, and juvenile information is very protected, very mm-hmm. sensitive. Sure. So, but we do have uh, students that are being charged as adults, uh, and they're going through the court system. And typically, uh, the majority of our long-term students will either be put on probation, sentenced to prison, or uh, maybe a, for a short, short amount of time, or they might just uh, end up serving their time with us and then being released. So what, what interested me and wanted me to, made me want to come and spend a day at the jail with you was that this is a very specific segment of the population and one that not everyone feels uh, compelled to serve. Why did you want well, to? it was something that, uh, that I was interested in. Uh, I have a law enforcement background, and uh, I thought that I could do some good here, and so I volunteered to come to the site, and uh, it's been it's been very rewarding. Uh, most people most people in our district uh, they find out we have, we're teaching students at the at the detention center at the jail. They they say I didn't even know we had a school there. That's yeah. the typical response. Yeah, I don't think most people do. I'm sorry, you said how many students are right now being served? Currently, about a hundred. Okay. But that varies, you know, over the course of the year, we'll probably end up serving in all programs close to maybe eight or nine thousand, eight to a thousand, eight hundred to a thousand students. And so their day to day, what's it like if I'm a student in one of these programs? Well, as soon as they enter, as soon as they enter, uh, we we get their information every morning. Uh, we get it if they're, if they're from out of county, we get all that information. I have great support people, my terminal operator, my guidance counselor, all the teachers that support it. We get their information and we come up with the best academic program that we can develop for them based on their circumstances. Hmm. And a large majority of the time, students that are entering the criminal justice system, they're behind credits, they've been out of school, uh, they might have dropped out for a short period of time, uh, and then they end up and they're having to come back to school. And so we work with them to try to get them caught up and get them to where we can move them closer to graduation. So they go to class. There's classrooms. Yes. They have books. They, they take have, tests. They have books. They take tests. They have certified teachers. We have a, a credit recovery program, Edgenuity, which the district uses throughout all schools. It helps us 
mm-hmm. uh, getting the students caught up. And how does that, so do they go to school for like the full seven full day. hours? Full and day. Then Their day starts at 7.30 and ends at 2.30. Just like a regular student? Just like a regular student. And then when they're not in school? They're in their housing. And do they do work around the the jail or what else are they? They uh, Some of them are involved as trustees where they're allowed to participate in work activities and some are just uh, placed back in their in their safekeeping, their holding cells. I mean, their, 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 their dorm rooms, so to speak. Okay, so instead of going home at the end of the school day, they go to their dorm. Right, and except the day treatment program, at the end of the day, they go back to their, their home, their home. With their parents. And, and to be in a day treatment facility, you're... You're transitioning back, back to, to regular right. education. Gotcha. Um, so to kind of interrelated questions, um, I'll start with it from the student side. I'm, pr- I'm trying to put myself in the um, shoes of a student who's committed a crime. I've, I'm now in a jail se- setting, and you're telling me I need to go to school. And I might feel, why? Why bother? I, how do you overcome and get the kids to buy into you still need to get your education? Well, uh, we have to use a sales pitch. We have to, you know, encourage them. Obviously, we have some teachers that have been working in the in the in the division for a long time, and they're really good at saying, "Hey, rather than just sitting there, come over here. We do some fun stuff. You learn. Uh, you can get some books. You can read. Mm-hmm. You get some credits. You get caught up. Maybe you can go back to your high school if you want to graduate." So. We have to sell them on the fine points mm-hmm. of why they need to get the education. And we still have some that refuse to come, mm-hmm. and that's their privilege. But the majority of the time we get, and we have a good working relationship with the deputies in the in the detention center that they encourage them to come to school too. And, and I mean, of that sales pitch, like what, what, what point do you think it is that finally, okay, I'll go to school? Like what what is it that... Typically, well, after a couple of days of setting and being bored, I think boredom helps them realize, hey, maybe school's not such a bad idea. So if they're not in school, they're just sitting in their cells, their dorm rooms. Some of them, some of them decide to read, and we, you know, we help them if they if they want to do that. You know, obviously we can't force them to come to school, but we do try to encourage them to come to school, and uh, they kind of get influence from all sides. They get you know influence from the court system saying, hey, you need to go to school. Obviously, the deputies that work with us, they're encouraging them to go to school. And then, you know, obviously, we want them to come to school because we figure we can help them a lot if we get them in school. Um, so, and so the flip side of that question was that uh, not every teacher could work with these, just like not every administrator could work with the student population. The teachers, how many teachers do you have working for you? Uh, we have five teachers that rotate throughout the sites, and then we have support staff. We have an ESE teacher, and we have guidance counselor, and we have a transition specialist that yeah. help them get through the, the, the juvenile justice system. So is there a, unifo- a unifying characteristic of some kind or a belief system or like that kind of ties those teachers together or that make them want to be there? With the kids, that certainly a lot of people would be willing to just kind of forget and... I think uh, if I had to, if I use the type A, type B analogy, type Bs tend to do better with these type students because they, they're more willing to listen to them and talk to them and kind of make a connection. Uh, some type A's are a little, you know, you're going to do this, when you're going to do that, and that kind of, you know, for the student that's being arrested or in the criminal justice system, 
they have a problem being told what to do. So you're just aggravating it. Uh-huh. So, but most of the teachers are really, all the teachers I have that are really good at working with the students, getting them to participate in their education. Because they believe that it will make a difference, even right. if you're going to be in jail for. Right. And it does. I mean, uh, uh, for a person, a student that leaves us and is going to prison, having graduated uh, gives them more opportunity to do different work programs in the Florida prison system. Yeah, you mentioned that to me the other day, and I wondered if you could expound on that a little bit more, because I don't know that much about the prison system. So what if, if I get my high school diploma, how will that change my prison experience? Well, uh, you know, this is what I, we've been told from some of the prisons that we've talked to that we've handled, that we've sent students to, is that students with high school diplomas are offered work programs, to enter work programs, which makes a difference of going doing something every day when you're serving your term. Mm-hmm. If you're not, you go into the GED trying to get your education program, which is a little bit tougher. And mm-hmm. so they have to apply for that, and there's usually a waiting list. So, you know, getting them to graduate improves their long-term aspects for when they do have to serve their prison term. Because they'll be in a more um, suitable selective environment. An environment that will help them get back. If you know, if they get out after four years or five years or seven years, they'll have hopefully a trade that they can go back into. Ah, okay. So rather than spending their prison sentence just getting a base baseline credential, they can learn to be a air conditioning mechanic or a. There's different programs throughout all throughout the Florida prison system. Gotcha. Okay, so. What changes do you see? You have children who come to you and they have made life-altering mistakes, of, whether they be minor, offensive, that, minor offenses that affect their life maybe for a short term or very serious crimes that will have forever changed the trajectory of their right. lives. In, in both those situations, do you see as they go to school and they learn and maybe their minds are opened a little bit. What changes do you see in them? And does that change? Uh, probably one of the biggest things is I see uh, they experience success. They see an improvement in confidence. And it gives them the ability to deal with the things they're dealing with a little bit more mature. And uh, I think that it helps them. Of course, education makes you more aware of what's going on makes you aware of how to deal. You know, there's a lot of things goes into what we do. Uh, not only do we do education, we also do, you know, uh, job skills, interview skills, how to talk, how to respond, you know, all those type of things that a lot of times students in our situation don't have those type of soft skills. And so we try to work with them on those. We've had some success stories. Uh, a good note, uh, juvenile crime across the state is down drastically over the last three years. I've seen a and they're doing more things uh, here in our county. They have uh, diversion programs that, you know, first-time offense offender that might end up in the criminal justice system later. They go through the diversion program and actually kind of gets them out of that, which they never they don't get a criminal record. They mm-hmm. don't have that blemish. Mm-hmm. And so, um, over the last three years, we're probably seeing a fifty percent reduction in juvenile crime. And I think in the state, it's like forty percent. So. Okay, through diversion. And then does the work that you do, even once they are um, in the system, we, does that help with the recidivism? or Absolutely, because uh, 
at the height of, you know, three and a half years ago, four years ago, we were probably had, I want to say 300, 340 students that were repeat offenders. They would come through the juvenile system, the detention center, and see us probably maybe three, four, five times a year. Mm-hmm. That number's down to less than 100 now. Mm-hmm. And it's a, I think it's a, a systemic-wide uh, what's going on in, throughout the state to try to help students not get in the criminal justice system initially and, and keep them out of it. And then if they do get them get in it to give them the education, the skills, maybe just the confidence, the mindset right. that, hey, this does not have to be the rest of my life. If I have the opportunity to get out, I can make better choices and get on a better track. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, uh, when we talked that day, you told me about, you did have a couple of success stories. We did. That, you, you know, people who are now out being productive citizens. Can you, again, without identifying anyone, can you just share a little bit about? We have one student that uh, was with us. He gra- he uh, was able to get, get caught up. He went back to his high school, graduated, and uh, he's a, uh, his own business owner now has a couple people working for him and doing what we want him to do, not get in trouble. And mm-hmm. uh, we've had a few stories where uh, uh, students have graduated and they've done so well that instead of getting, you know, a two-year prison sentence, they got a year probation and they're and they're doing fine. Mm-hmm. And there's always the flip side to the coin that we have students that no matter what we do, they decide they want to keep doing mm-hmm. the bad things. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, the one thing that I that I find out that's uh, talking with people is there's usually two polar ends of this conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're obligated to educate these students because of America mm-hmm. and the United States, the way we believe. But there are some people that feel they don't deserve an education after they've committed a crime. And I see both sides of, the, of that argument, but I think it's important that we continue to try to make them a difference because if we can make a difference and we can keep them out of the criminal justice system, that's one less we have to put leave in the criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. One thing that I just thought was so beautiful about you and, your, and what I learned about you that day was that you make sure your kids that graduate, they get a graduation ceremony. That's correct. And that I would venture to say not everyone in your position would go to that trouble. Um, but you do. And tell me about that. Like you you go and you make sure they get the gown from their homeschool and you put together a ceremony, even if it's only for one or two kids at a time. Tell us about what you do every year and why you do it. Well, uh, obviously, you know, being in the in with us long term, uh, if we graduate them, they don't get that ceremony. Mm-hmm. And uh, but we do once we complete their work, we work with the high schools that they that they're zoned for, and I have to applaud the principals for helping us get them graduated mm-hmm. because we're not a graduation center. However, they complete the work. Our high school principals work with us to get them a high school diploma, and it's they pass the test, they pass the, all the testing, uh, they pass the academic subjects. Uh, they take the ACT. They do all those type things. And so uh, the graduation ceremony was actually su- suggested uh, by one of my teachers who thought it was very important. And we, we started doing it. We actually have a format. We do get their gown. They do get pictures. It's a, after we get their diploma, it's all official. And uh, they get cake. And they have to give a presentation to the 
the fellow, their fellow students that are still there about what it means to get a high school diploma. And I remember the first one that we got, that was the icebreaker. After that, everybody started, that's what I want to do. And so it's kind of just snowballed into, that's the expectation now to get your diploma while you're here. What did that person, the, child, the student who graduated, what did they say about getting a diploma? He, uh, he had a personal reason for doing it. He wanted to do it for one of his family members. And uh, that's what got, got him through the process of getting it done. And he worked real hard to do it. So, And every one of them picks a reason why they want yeah. to get their diploma. I'm sure there's moments along the way where they want to give up. You know, they have a bad day in court. Why should I bother with class, right? Yeah, How do you, what do you say in those moments? How do you keep them going? Well, you know, a lot of times they come back. You can tell that maybe something didn't go their way in court. And, you know, you talk to them. Some of them want to talk. Some of them don't want to talk. Uh, but you tell them that's not the end. We're still here. We're still doing what we want to do. We're still going to help you get what you need to get done. And so, you know, we just work through it. I've always won I always wonder, um, you know, unfortunately in the school district, it's not um, it's not unheard of, right? That we we deal with situations where students make bad choices and I mean it happens a few times a school year that we that we see those stories in the media and we deal with those situations. And I always wonder about how they uh, do they go back did, later on, do they feel remorse? Do they do they feel they realize the gravity of what they've done. They're so young in some cases, and they've they've made this decision that could impact them for a really long time. Do you? How do you help them process that, or do you? We uh, one thing that we kind of do. We kind of stay away from their charge sheet. I'm about the only one who sees it. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, sometimes the students will tell a teacher, you know, what they did, uh, mm -hmm. or else sometimes our teacher will read about it in the ledger, which yeah. is a common occurrence for us. Uh, most of the time, if you read it in the ledger, I end up getting those students. Yeah. So, uh, but the students really, the teachers look at the students like they're students and they need to get, I mean, we're fully aware of what they've done, what they're capable of, why they're there. We understand that they are, mm -hmm. they are inmates in the criminal justice system. We do understand that. Yeah. However, we also go to, you know, they're students and we're supposed to educate them. That's what, that's the approach we take. I guess what supports are in place for like their social emotional, when they're dealing with the remorse they might feel or the regret or the sheer fear over what they've done and how that might affect their lives or, how, or when they see how they affect their families. Like, how do you, academics are one thing, but how do you, what resources exist and how do you help them work through that? Well, I have, uh, I have a guidance counselor that's, uh, she's also a criminal justice major and she, she does a real good job of talking with students, helps them a great deal. Uh, a lot of our students, a lot of our teachers have been like long-term in the system. And so they've dealt with these things before. Uh, if a student needs mental health, you know, that's provided to them, those mm -hmm. type of issues, we deal with those. Mm -hmm. uh, anything that a student might deal with in our district, you know, we're supported so by the, the district. Same. Okay. Um, you said you had a law enforcement background. Tell me about that. And how does that help in your day-to-day -day work? Well, uh, I'm a reserve police officer with Bartow Police Department. I've been doing that now for, uh, May will be nine years. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's something I always wanted to do, but it's given me an opportunity to, to see both sides of the system. And so. how does that help you in your day-to-day -day work, having well, that background? 
you know, maybe some things that uh, I've seen students and knowing, you know, exactly what's happened, how they ended up here gives me a different viewpoint from mm. better, maybe a better way of helping them to get their education completed. Prior to working in the uh, juvenile justice area, you were a administrator at um, Haines City, if I recall correctly. Oh, no, I started teaching at Haines City. Started teaching at Haines City. You were at Ridge, if I recall correctly. Where, where, tell me where you've been prior. All right. I was uh, at Haines City, uh-huh. and then I went to, uh, as a teacher at Bartow High School, then I became a dean and assistant principal at Bartow High School. Uh, I was at Summerlin, and then I came to uh, Ridge uh, Career Center, mm-hmm. and then from Ridge Career Center, I came to here. So if you... Um, and you've been at, D, at G, Juvenile Justice how long? This is my sixth year. So if you were to ever go back to a more traditional educational environment, a traditional high school, I, I'm i not an educator, but I got to think that uh, that would somehow change you to have worked in that environment, to go to work at a jail every day and to work with students who are in jumpsuits and facing sentences and very high stakes situations. How would that change? How does that change you as an educator? Uh, that's kind of a, an interesting concept. I haven't really thought about much. If I went back to a regular high school, I'd probably be a lot more paranoid of regular high school t- students knowing uh, what I've what I've seen high school students do. So, uh-huh. but uh, I don't really I haven't really thought about that much. It's I mean, it's amusing concept to think about. So maybe I mean, I'll sit down and think about I mean, it. Do you think you could ever just go back to working at a regular oh, absolutely. high school? Yeah. I mean, the bottom line is I like working with students. Yeah. I mean, I want to see them be successful. That's, you know, that's the main reason I came in education. I guess if nothing else, maybe you'd pick up on some warning signs. I would maybe. definitely see some things that would occur differently. Yeah. So. And maybe be able to help them not follow the bad exactly. track. Exactly. Okay. Gotcha. Um, what do you think, and this is kind of a question we wrap up every one of these shows with, uh, Mike Butler as the assistant principal of the juvenile justice programs. You have a unique job. You do a job that very few people can relate to. Um, But what is it that you feel like you contribute to our organization that only you could? Um, That's an interesting question. Good question. I think what I, uh, what I contribute is I have students that come to us with a wide variety of problems and I consider myself a pretty unique problem solver. And so I think that, you know, I, I firmly believe the forces of the universe have conspired to put me where I'm at. And so uh, I just, I go and try to make a difference. And that's that's what I think I contribute. Okay, I got to ask one more follow-up. I All don't right. normally do that. So you are a skilled problem solver. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me about a problem that you've solved in recent memory for a child? Problem that I, well, it's like almost every day. Um I'll give you an example. We had an issue about three years ago of a student that was held in middle school for an unusual reason. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, I got with all our, you know, our leaders in the district, and uh, I was able to help that student uh, complete that one piece Mm-hmm. of the, the puzzle that prevented them from leaving middle school, and we were able to get them in high school. And once we got them in high school, they started catching up, mm-hmm. and they caught up, and mm-hmm. they ended up uh, going back to their school on their grade level. And what was, it, what was it that was missing? Oh, you can't say. 
Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it's an identifying. Oh, okay. All right. If I told you, it would, it no would identify the student. Okay. But there was something that, a service or a. Something that we something missed. Something that you could, I see. I see. Okay. So, so you'll, you can dig back into the student's history or really analyze their particular mm-hmm. situation and maybe solve that to help them get on a better well, track. Well, uh, you know, I've had, like I said, my staff members are very supportive of our idea of our purpose is to move students closer to graduation. That's our mission. Very yeah. simple. Yeah. Uh, if we can get them graduated, we get them graduated. Uh, and they're very committed to that. And we go through, we chase records down. They might have been in programs in Miami that we didn't get grades for. That's happened several times. We've had students that were missing grades and we found a whole year's worth of grades for them mm-hmm. at another location. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And so, and that... Uh, help get them closer to being graduated. One more thing, and I just, and I've, I know that I've kept you long, longer than I said it would, but you mentioned earlier the, the two sides of the, the, the two, two very divergent viewpoints on serving the student population. And I wondered what you would say to those who may be on the, I know you can see both sides, mm-hmm. but to those who believe they don't deserve, they shouldn't get an education, they're in jail, they made a big mistake, why are we in there teaching them? What would you say to them? I, I think it's the 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 comment that everybody kind of like uses. I mean, it's cheaper to get them educated, get them graduated, have them stop doing what they're doing now, than have them stay in the criminal justice long term and pay for them repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. Gotcha. So if we can do that, I think we've accomplished what we set out to do. Mike, I really enjoyed coming to the jail. I'd never been in a jail before. I really enjoyed seeing the classrooms in the jail and learning more about your day-to-day work. And I just, I thank you for coming and talking to us to help shed some light on a sector of our system most people know nothing about. So thank thank you. you. I just want to say thank you to all the the people that support us, Mm -hmm. uh, the sheriff's office, uh, our district, our district staff, you know, my boss, Mr. Cochran, they all help us make our make our mission easier to accomplish. Thank you so much. Thank you. Did you change careers to become a teacher, para, or bus driver? Do you remember the moment when you knew a career in education was right for you? Are you a PCPS alumnus who remembers the teacher who made you believe you were capable of great things? Are you a student who is already putting your K-12 education to work in our community? We all have a story to tell, and those stories are part of what makes PCPS great. Tell us yours. To be a guest or to nominate someone you know to be featured on The People of PCPS, fill out the form posted online at polkschoolsfl.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to The People of PCPS podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or watch online at the Polk County Public Schools YouTube channel. To learn more about the people of PCPS and other Polk County Public Schools podcasts, visit polkschoolsfl.com forward slash podcasts.